0: Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. I'm John Agroni, I'm the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of cinemaholics.com, and I occasionally write books. Okay, you know what? Cut the music. Um, just end it. Sorry, sorry, I have to I have to make a I have to switch to a different here we go. Okay, because you see. This is awkward. Um the music you were just hearing was from the new Pixar movie Onward, which is it's the big review, it's the one you've been waiting for. Uh, that we're doing this week, in addition to, of course, The Way Back, spinster Confidential, and so many more. But I have to switch things up. Sorry. Because I cannot intro the other people coming onto this podcast the way I normally do. Uh, not when Emma has just hit wider release this weekend. I can't. I can't do it. And I apologize. I know it's a little weird. You guys are sitting there. You're like, <laughs> what's what's going on so uh i'm just gonna you're just gonna have to roll with it uh my voice needs to change because i'm gonna have to introduce you guys the way that you deserve to be introduced on a podcast where emma is one of our in-depth reviews so we're gonna start that now here we go okay from the blundered bluffs of pittsburgh pennsylvania he is the the pop cultural scribe of one cinema blend And indubitably, he reviews films and other oddities for the worldwide website of Cinemaholics.com. It is one William Tyler Ashton. Hello. And joining us from the sun-scorched valleys of Nashville, Tennessee, he is an original author deriving the worldwide website known by all as one comicbook.com, and he is a good person, of good character, and excellent stature, both in terms of posture and posterity. Welcome, one Charles Abernathy Ridgely Esquire. Good evening. Okay, we can. We can okay, that's enough of the music. Um,
1: <laughs> that was fantastic.
0: Charlie, I'm sorry. I just it just didn't feel right doing it any other way and you seem you, you seem okay with this i think will is super upset and mad at me <laughs> and i feel like that's has happening <laughs> a lot lately um, i could not be
1: happier with it
0: well welcome i just i just wanted you to feel welcomed
1: i am so welcomed great yes
0: well welcome back to cinemaholics charlie we we haven't had you on since our toy story 4 episode this is another pixar
1: how do you feel I mean I love Pixar so and I love talking to you guys about Pixar so this is always a really really fun time I always get excited when a new Pixar movie comes out to talk to you guys talk to other people I mean it's you know you know how it is but it's it's Pixar it makes you feel good
0: It's Pixar Pixar and Pixar not speaking of Pixar, you can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive, on Cinemaholics.com. And don't forget to write into the show anytime by sending us an email, CinemaHolicsPodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We got a really good one this past week uh, from one of our longtime listeners, SP, who actually emailed us, say, a contentious opinion on The Invisible Man. I may, I may need to bring this up because I want to maybe read it on the air real fast. But before I do, don't forget... If you're like, guys, I got, I got money to, to burn and I want to donate it to a podcast. I love a podcast that gets me up on Monday slash Tuesday, depending on when John and Will can schedule things. Well, potential patron, we have your back. We set up this thing called a Patreon. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash cinemaholics, you can look at all of our patron tiers. You can find out all the ways that you can donate to the podcast. Uh, we've gotten a couple of new patrons in the last week. So happy to see that. Uh, we want to maybe shout them out and and say thank you for just for just being there and making this show possible and, and helping us pay the bills because it's not uh it's not cheap to put out a podcast of this low caliber. Can you imagine if it was any higher? But if you're if you're looking at us and you're like, look, I, I don't have money to kill. Not in this economy, not with coronavirus. Well, there's another way that you can donate to this podcast, and that's with your your praise with your with your rating you go to rate slash cinemaholics you can see all the ways that you can leave us a rating or a review that matches how you really feel about us we hope that's five stars right Will like that's that's what we're aiming for
2: that's the highest you can get
0: yeah we don't expect six um even if you could uh we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do our best to reach that that if you give us five and you're like guys you're more like four and a half yeah, you know, we, we maybe step it up a little bit. We'll take that as a challenge. Every five star rating we get after this podcast airs, we'll assume it's actually a four point five. And we just need to point five it up, if that makes any sense. So again, that's ratethispodcast.com slash cinemaholics. Uh, just a couple of off topics to get to. We have an extra milestone coming up. Uh, Sam Noland and myself, and hopefully Will Ashton, if we can wrangle you. We're gonna be talking about his girl Friday. Uh, which is celebrating its, I think, oh gosh, when did that movie come out? It's the 40s, I think, so it's like 75 years, something like that. I'll have to look at it, but His Girl Friday was voted in the polls. Can you believe it? Do you believe in miracles? Because I was not expecting it. We thought it was going to be M.A.S.H. That was getting a lot of votes before Sunrise had a lot of interest. I'm actually like gobsmacked it's not before Sunrise, honestly, but nope, you guys chose a, a bit of a classic romance in His Girl Friday, and if you want to watch that film along with us, be sure to find it. It's right now on the Criterion channel. You can also find it on YouTube. You can buy or rent it on, I think, iTunes and Amazon. You can find it in a bunch of places. Uh, I recommend that you seek it out if you want to watch it. It's just a great movie anyway, so you should totally do that. Uh, Will, have you seen His Girl Friday? The I movie, not the
2: person. Sure. Uh, I haven't seen it
0: either. Okay, Um, that's fantastic. And then and Charlie Ridgely, have you ever seen this one?
1: I have not, but I've started watching some like 40s movies lately, so it's on my list.
0: See, this is this is uh, this is great because I'm giving you all of these these avenues that you can find it on. Right. So I did the work for you, Charlie. It's just up to you to, to run with it. It is. All right. And then last, we just want to go over. There's a lot of other things Will and I have seen that we just don't have time to get to in this episode. This It would just be too long. I mentioned before, we're talking about Onward, The Way Back, uh, Emma, obviously. Uh, but we're also going to be talking about Spencer Confidential. There are a few other things we wanted to get to. I don't think we're going to have time for them. Uh, what, what were some of the movies that you did see? Maybe we can save it for a future podcast. And commenters, this is where you come in. If Will or I mention something that you're really curious about, you want to hear us elaborate on and actually do like a review or a mini-review of, Use the comment section on cinemahawks.com to do that. But, yeah, what what were some of the things you did manage to catch this weekend?
2: Um, Well, not this weekend, but I have, throughout this past week, seen The Assistant, which I believe you talked about during the Sundance episode. Um, The Mm -hmm. Last Thing He Wanted, which is a Netflix film. Um, The Lodge, which was at Sundance, I think, a year or two ago. And then um, the first three episodes of I Am Not Okay With This, uh, I saw a screening of that. So. Those are ones that come to mind. My... Oh, I also saw Zombie Child and Synonyms as well. Oh, I don't know what that is. But
0: okay, of all of those well, things. Well, those are two different things. <laughs> oh, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> it's like what's sure. an elaborate title. But of all of those things, Will, which of those would you want to talk about the most like next week?
2: Um, well, I mean, I still need to catch the rest of I'm not okay with this, but I don't know. I, I haven't really heard as much as I thought. It's fantastic. oh, it's,
1: good. It's, oh I love it's I okay. love it. It's incredible. Uh, you should watch it.
2: Uh, Well, I was going to say, I think the one I'd have the most fun talking about is the last thing he wanted. Um, Yeah, yeah, I started it. I haven't really watched it yet. Uh, So that might be my pick, though I am. I want to uh, talk about The Assistant just because there's a lot of uh, good things I want to say about it as well. So,
0: yes, that's a very good movie. If it's unlimited right now, if you can find The Assistant. I definitely recommend it, although it just dawned on me the last thing he, we, he wanted is Anne Hathaway, and the last bad Anne Hathaway movie, I think, was Serenity, which, uh, the first time Charlie Ridgely came in on this podcast to talk to us, so there you go. How,
1: how dare you talk about Serenity?
2: Well, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't there That's The Hustle, right. which everyone forgot about? The Hustle? Oh, that wasn't and that everyone, bad of a movie, though. It was I mean, right. it was just a movie that everyone forgot about.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, I it think. wasn't, like, like, Serenity and The Last Thing He Wanted are, like, critically
1: despised,
2: right? So... Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I the last
1: we're... thing you could ever say about Serenity is that anyone forgot about it. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Then I don't know. I didn't see Dark Waters. Did you end up seeing Dark Waters? I never got to. Oh, right.
1: she she was good in Dark Waters. I mean, she's usually she, good. Like even she, didn't, she but... didn't have a lot to do, but I mean, she her role got progressively better as it hmm. went along, and she had a really really good rapport with uh, with Mark Ruffalo on screen, which I would love to see more of. I thought she was very good in that.
2: Yeah, I want to check it out. I, I unfortunately missed it once in theaters, but I know that one got some praise that but otherwise yeah. the movie got overlooked so yeah
0: there there are a couple of movies that we didn't get to over the holidays i wish we had like i never saw motherless brooklyn i never saw dark mm-hmm. waters there's a few of them but yes we we all have guests. That's how it goes. we can't cover yeah. every little thing we wish we could
1: actually if i recall i believe dark waters is in like the back end of my top 10 last year mm-hmm. i really i really enjoyed that movie i remember yeah because had see it? we had
0: your top 10 in the cinemaholics poll and everything and we pulled that one so i think it made it onto our cinemaholics overall top whatever it was
2: heck yeah yeah
0: i think you were the only one who put it on though sorry
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay um
0: actually that might not be true i'd have to double check there might have been one other person maybe two but yeah uh for me i saw a netflix movie called all the bright places which that's another like that's a bad movie like that's
2: like sneaky bad until you said it i didn't catch the pun Oh, boy.
0: that's not where yeah. the problems for this movie end sure uh that is that is one of those movies that i'm so sad is bad uh but it is uh, i sure. also had a chance to see part one and part two of the pale horse on amazon prime video which is good it's good it's what like it? agatha christie it's one of the last uh short story novella things that she ever did i think it was a novella okay. And it's like a mystery, really dark, atmospheric 1960s. What is going on here? It stars the guy, I, I'm blanking on his name. I'm so sorry. From he's like the villain in a night's tale, one of the greatest movies ever made. And he was in The Man in the High Castle, hence the Amazon connection. He plays um oh gosh, Ober Obern Wolfenheuer Wolfenfuhrer, something like that.
1: Uh Rufus Sewell.
0: Thank you, yes. Uh, he, he's the main character in it and his co-lead is Kaya Scodelario and this is a much better Kaya Scodelario thing than we have gotten in a while and I'm happy to see that I feel like ever since Skins she's been her career has failed her her agent everything has failed her in some of the movies and shows that she's been in but she's an incredible actress like I anybody who has seen season two of Skins knows this even season one she doesn't have a big role in it but regardless, that's the pale horse, and then um, I think that's everything for me. I didn't see much else besides what we're gonna be talking about on this episode. So there you go. And then Charlie, I know a lot's been going on uh, in Nashville. I think it would be appropriate to mention there was um, a natural disaster there. So sorry to hear that, and I hope everything is going okay for you and your family and your friends and all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was you know, it was a weird week, but um, we were pretty close to everything. But and we we're you know we're okay. House is okay. Have a little little damage to the fence and that's it. So we're, we're really, we're really blessed and really grateful for kind of how, how all that turned out. And, you know, there were much fewer casualties throughout the city than it looks like given the destruction. So I think everyone's really, really grateful that, you know, um, the, the loss of life was as minimal as, as it was in the city.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that also extends to Corey Woodruff who is also in the Tennessee area. He is okay. We're of course happy to hear that. Corey's a great friend of the show. And I kind of flippantly brought it up earlier, but obviously coronavirus is happening right now and it kind of works that we're doing like a Skype thing. But uh, yeah, I don't wanna make too much light of it. I know that like part of my defense mechanism is humor. That's how I sort through depression and anxiety. And with the coronavirus thing, it's a little scary. And uh, I know a lot of you listening are probably either in one zone of like, I'm scared of it. I'm not scared of it. I wish people wouldn't be scared of it. I wish people would be more scared of it. I don't know where you're at, but just thought I would lightly address it. It's obviously on our minds. And uh, for all of you who are feeling sick, I guess this is our chance to say, try not to get other people sick (laughs) and use common sense. And that's, that's my big advice.
1: You have yes. plenty of time to sit at home and you know in quarantine and binge listen to Cinemaholic's podcast oh, or took even the words
2: from my mouth. Even
0: better, <laughs> even better, watch a ton of movies. That's my challenge. Um, and, and like movies at home, not at the movie theater. If you're feeling mm-hmm. sick, uh, I'm a hypocrite because I'm not feeling sick and I have gone to the movies, obviously. But anyway, let's get into our first review of the week. Onward, Onward is the newest film from Pixar, and it's the first original, not sequel film we've seen from them since Coco. So that came out in 2017. That was like two and a half years ago now. And I want to bring up a few things about Pixar. A lot lot needs to be said here. So we we could talk all day about Pixar's track record. I've always noticed that people really disagree or agree on the varying quality of their films um, because... If you look at their entire canon, there's this really drastic range between the not very good movies with like Cars 2 and then the films that are kind of in the middle, like they're they're kind of okay, but also good, you know, like better than a lot of other films in the same competition. And then way up further, you get to this level where, okay, these are some of the best animated films just ever of all time. As a lot of you know, I love Pixar films, I wrote a book about Pixar, I have a new book about Pixar coming out soon. I know these movies really well, to the point where sometimes it can be really hard for me to parse out how other people feel about Pixar films, because I have such a weird relationship with these movies. And sometimes it surprises me what other people think of Pixar movies. and. That's where you two come in. I'm sure we're going to have a really great conversation here. I'm sure it's not going to be a huge fight. Will (laughs) Ashton, I'm,
2: I'm a lover, not a fighter.
0: Put the battle axe down. Will Ashton, this is a peaceful pot. And, uh, yeah, so Pixar, we, we have to point out, I mean, this studio has undergone just enormous change in the last few years. They ousted John Lasseter uh, they promoted Pete Doctor. He is an executive producer of this film onward. He has his own Pixar movie he directed called Soul. This is the first movie he's made since Inside Out from five years ago, which tracks it's like every five years. We get the latest Pete Doctor, maybe Jonas Rivera joint. And that's coming out in just a few months in June. And we've never had two Pixar films come out so close to one another. We've barely seen two come out in the same year at all. And I think this is just the third time. That's happened in the studio's 25-year history, where two Pixar films in one year. Onward's not based yeah. on anything. Soul's not based on anything. It's all new stuff this year, which is exciting,
2: right, Will? Yeah. I mean, my only concern is that I'm worried that the box office might have been hurt. Uh, what? Oh, the box office, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say the box office seems might have been hurt by yeah. the, the balance of marketing they have to do for these two films, but... I mean, you'd know more about that than I would.
0: Sure, I think that the box office tracking for this one in particular hasn't been great. And I think Soul has a more coveted slot. And a lot of people compared Onward, actually, now that we're getting into it, uh, as kind of like Zootopia. Zootopia also came out in March uh, of 2016, in fact. And it did super well, made over a billion dollars. Not a lot of Pixar films have made that much. And um, you can really... One, You could really sort of see why Pixar would want to release this in March. I'm a little surprised Soul isn't coming out toward the end of the year, like November. So it's a bit more staggered for the reason you're bringing up. But now they, they're just going to put it out in June. And, you know, they, they probably... It's Disney as the parent corp. They're probably looking at it as like, well, look, we can do this with Marvel movies. Like Spider-Man Far From Home is like right after Endgame. That's the same thing, right? Who knows? But regardless... I I do want to say uh, all of this because I think a lot of the writing was on the wall for many critics when it comes to this movie. In the months leading up to the now release of Onward, uh, in those months, we, we started to see all the trailers and we got a deeper glimpse of the premise and the prevailing narrative I've observed, and I want you both to weigh in when we get to this, is that, well, you know what? This is this is the weaker Pixar film coming out. You know, Soul is going to come out in June. That's that's the next Pixar masterpiece. And I've been of a completely different mind, honestly. I I actually have felt more skepticism about Soul and you know, despite like the creative team behind it being so credible. And I've honestly, I've been looking forward to Onward. I've been really enthusiastic about this movie and mainly because of its premise. It's it's a little bit more high concept than we've seen from them in a while. It's somewhere in between the, the high concept imagination of like the Cars movies to like the good dinosaur, at least in terms of like sheer ambition in the world building. So let's let's finally talk about that premise. And Onward, we're quickly introduced to a world where the high fantasy universe we'd see from like the lord of the rings and dungeons and dragons all that stuff existed in history and there was a lot of magic and sword play and all that good stuff but eventually the fantastical society of elves and trolls centaurs pixies etc they discovered the modern conveniences of electricity and indoor plumbing and eventually things like smartphones and as a result magic sort of disappeared altogether Because no one needed it anymore. So, this world is a bit parallel to our human one. And to be clear, there are no humans or hints of humans in this movie, but it's just like our world, but with like jokes about the fantasy source material that inspired it. If you've seen Bright on Netflix, you're about like halfway there to getting what this world is basically like, minus the, again, the humans and also just everything bad about that movie, honestly. So the story is that we meet these two brothers, Ian and Barley, voiced by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. They're both elves. Ian is the younger brother. He's a bit timid and unsure of himself, and he's always embarrassed by his loud, boisterous older brother Barley, who's obsessed with a game called Quests of Yore, which is like their version of Dungeons and Dragons. Except it's you know it's brought up throughout the whole movie that it's uh, based on the world's actual history. It's historically accurate Dungeons and Dragons, which is a fun little concept and. The, the sad thing is that the, the boys grew up without a dad. Um, their father passed away right before Ian was born. And Barley was alive, but he was a little kid. He only has a few memories of him. And he was really young when it happened. And as it happens, their father left them a wizard staff, let's say antique, with instructions for a spell that can bring their dad back for one day. So they try to do this. Something goes wrong. and The boys have to go out and find a new relic to power the spell. Uh, All they have is an unfinished version of their father with them. Uh, It's just his legs, weirdly. So he can't hear anything or see anything, but he comes along in the adventure too, sort of. And the three of them go on a road trip slash quest to find the relic so they can reunite with their father for real. And along the way, Ian has to learn to control magic. And actually, here's a clip where the brothers have run out of gas on the side of the road, and Ian has to use a growth spell from Barley's quest of your game to make it larger. Here is the clip. Here we go. Focus. Uh, something wrong?
1: Sorry, it's just your stance is, uh here, chin up, elbows out, feet apart, back, slightly arched. Okay, how's that feel? Great. Oh, one more thing. Barley. Okay, okay.
2: Magnora, get you one.
1: Don't let the magic spook you. Okay. Elbows. What? Elbows up. No, 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 no. It's too high. That's too high. I'm trying to focus here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Focus. Focus on the can.
2: Focus. Focus. Barley! Ah, forget it! It
1: worked! The can is huge! And the bed is huge! And you're... Oh, no.
0: All right, that is from the new Pixar movie, Onward. Starting with you, Charlie Ridgely, I want to know, what what did you think of Onward? We know that you're a fan of Pixar, but if you can delve into that as well. You know, how did you, how were your expectations? I sort of mentioned how I was looking forward to the film. Uh, let's hear it from you. What's your take on Onward?
1: Um, well, first of all, I love that scene so much that just played. It's one of the funniest scenes in the movie, that whole extended bit when they run out of gas uh, is very, very good. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Actually, a lot more than I thought I would. Um, when they first started advertising it, I mean, I knew I was going to like it. Um, you know, like I mentioned to you after I saw it earlier this week, um, I am I am am one of two brothers. You know, my, my younger brother and I uh, are the only siblings in our family. Um, you know, we're only kids in our family. It's just us. And while our dad is still living, um, he, Kyle and I have a very a very good relationship and you know, have had to lean on each other a lot over the years. And um so when this movie was first when we first learned what this movie was about, I already knew like I'm I'm gonna feel something. I'm gonna I'm gonna connect to this movie because of my relationship with my brother. I Mia. Mean, unless it's a total dud, like I'm gonna connect to this. Um and also it's Pixar. So those two things combined. I always had an interest in this. But as you kind of mentioned, I fell into the camp of when when the soul trailer came out, I think I got a little more excited about that. Um just because I loved I think person is a little tangent, but I think Coco is maybe the best Pixar movie. And I think a lot of that has to do with the music and how the music influenced the film. Uh, I really, really love that. And I see that in, in soul. I love the idea of taking jazz music and and, and infusing it with Pixar. Um, so I was very much looking forward to that and kind of overlooked onward, even though I kind of had things that I thought I would connect to. But once I saw this movie, I really kind of forgot about soul entirely. I, I really fell in love with onward. Um, and the story that it told, um, in large part because of the way that it ends, uh, that's I don't want to get into that right away. But this is a movie that I feel like it started a little bit slower than I had thought it would, and I was a little on the fence for about 10, 15 minutes. And once it got into the story, it was I, I was so captured by the world that it built and by the such a genuine relationship between Ian and Barley, um, you know, because it was based on real brothers it it really they really connected and they really popped off the screen in a way that a lot of pixar characters have never have for me um but the real magic in this movie is as it goes along and then the third act just absolutely floored me i i did not see where it was going and when it ended up where it went i was just i was blown away because i i did not expect it um And so I I don't think it's an entirely perfect movie or maybe not the best Pixar movie. I think it's going to end up being one of my favorites because of just how personally I connect to this and just how good of a job, um, just how well of a job, uh, um, Dan Scanlon did kind of tying it all together and then how he brought that ending about um, I, I really since I've seen this I've only thought more about it and the more I think about it the more I've just wanted to get in my car and go to the theater and watch it again and that's not something I can say for a lot of movies so so for me I'm 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 very pleased with Onward and I'm I would not be upset if this was the only Pixar movie this year I would feel very very content yeah. uh, and very happy with it
0: yeah I, I agree I kind of wish they had come out sooner you know had been same year as Toy Story 4, maybe. And it would have been a little bit more staggering, the originals. But mm. you know what? They they have their whole system over at Disney. And regardless, we got the movie when we got it. Uh, Glad you mentioned Dan Scanlon did direct this. Uh, he directed it and co-wrote it with Jason Headley and Keith Bunin. And uh, I didn't i didn't get a chance to, to talk about the rest of the cast. And maybe Will will get into that as well. But we also have Octavia Spencer, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and uh, Mel Rodriguez, I think is his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who uh I'm, I love Mo Rodriguez. I, I do too. I, I'm a big fan of him uh, from uh community. He has like a little bit role in that oh, he show. In He's the oh, security guard in, in season three who quits because oh, of Chang. Yeah. oh my good that was my I my introduction.
2: I, f- I didn't I honestly didn't know that was him. Like I forgot yeah. that was him. I mostly know him from um Last Man on Earth, the Fox show. So which I, my, I haven't
0: like... seen that, so yeah. And getting uh, on is the one I know him from a little bit more.
2: Oh yeah, he's supposed to be really good in getting on, right? Uh, he was apparently
1: yeah. in the last thing
0: he wanted. Yeah, was he? Is. He?
2: He, oh. he was one of the better parts of the last thing he wanted, in my opinion. at least. Was he the first thing and,
0: you wanted in this? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, well, I actually didn't know it was him until the credits. I was just like, but I knew it recognized the a voice. So I was just like, who is it? Like that's not John uh, Ratzenberg, right? And I was like trying to figure it out, and then at the credits, like, oh, that makes sense. It was Mel Rodriguez. I was also gonna say, but um, he also has a cameo in uh Garfield the movie. So of I just course. Want to point that out. Of course. Yeah. You you would know, considering.
0: Yes. But um, all right. Uh, Will Ashton. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. Time for our fight. Mom and dad sure. are about to have their little argument. And sure. you're going to talk about. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. Sorry, Charlie. You're, you're the friend, <laughs> I'm gonna you're the go friend play I invited in my room. over. And you're in the, all of a sudden, <laughs> where, you know, these, these two adult men are just going to argue for a couple minutes. So sure. don't worry about it. Uh, But no, seriously, I think you're overselling
2: this, but (laughs) yeah,
0: you know me, I always oversell. Uh, Will Ashton, what do you think of Onward besides loving it with all your heart?
2: Um, I mean, I liked it. Like, here's the thing. Like, I like every Pixar movie so far. I even like Cars 2, even though I can see why it's dismissed as awesome as it is. And, you know, I, I don't think they're all equals. Like you said, like there are the clear masterpieces and then there's like the good ones. And there's the ones I think in my view are like. Fine or decent, like, I think, for the most part, most of Pixar movies, in my view, would be, like, at least fairly average. So, I don't think they've made, in my view, like, a truly terrible or bad film yet. Okay, what do you think is the worst one? Good Dinosaur. Charlie
0: Ridgely?
1: Oh, it's, I I don't think it's even close. It's Cars 2.
0: It's Cars 2. Well, Ashen, Good Dinosaur, you know I love the Good Dinosaur. Here's my thing about Cars 2,
1: and I've said this before.
2: (sighs) I think if it wasn't Pixar, people wouldn't be that harsh on it. No, they wouldn't. That's right. We agree on that. No, I think I think people are more harsh on it because it's coming after their like golden like run of movies. Well, yeah.
1: It's the only Pixar movie that is completely nonsensical.
2: Sure, that does. I'm not disputing that. <laughs> I'm just saying I think it's as like a pure dumb action film that happens to be made by the greatest animation studio or one of the greatest animation studios. One of out the there, I think is certainly. I think it's certainly a subpar effort for them, but I think it's a slick piece of entertainment. That's my whole stance on it. Like, I think it's fine. Fair enough. Well, so
1: I, I guess I, I feel similar about the good dinosaur where it's like, this movie's not, it's, I don't love it, but it's not bad. It's sure. Still, it's I do love it. It's but to good. me, Unequivocally,
0: I guess, I love the good dinosaur. Give me more. Yeah, for me,
2: I'm, for me, good dinosaur. And I guess it's going to kind of lead into my thoughts and onward, but for me, good dinosaur. It's like, fine. Like I don't dislike it. Like I said, I like all the Pixar movies. Fine. To me, it's also fine, but it just felt like a missed opportunity in a way. Like cars Two, like, no one really expected the mater focused Cars movie set in Europe uh, and, like as a farce of James Bond to be that great. Speak for yourself. And I think I think Good Dinosaur was had the chance to be like a really really great movie and it was. In my view, and it just was fine. Like it, it felt like they weren't able to fully salvage the mess that was happening behind the scenes. And that's just my opinion. Like you, I obviously disagree and that's fine. But um for me onward is I the thing is that like I knew when I was watching it that it was probably the filmmaker behind Monsters University because I was like, yeah, this is starting off pretty good. But then like the ending, it's probably going to be awesome. And that's basically where I was at with the movie, where it's like, I think the first two thirds are like fine, like they're okay. And I think it does a really good job with selling at the end. For me, it wasn't that unpredictable. That's where I figured it was going to go like I didn't predict exactly how it was going to turn about, but I was like, I know it's going to have some, Oh, I almost spoiled it. Um, I knew I had an idea where it was going to end. I think it basically wrapped up the way I expected it to, but I can tell that obviously the filmmaker, it was a personal story for him and his heart was in it. And I think the voice acting by and large is pretty good. Like I think, I can see why people dismiss Chris Pratt as a, a person like I, I don't think like there's some things about his personal life I don't necessarily agree with but I think he's a better actor than people give him credit for um Agreed. I don't think he has a lot of range like I think he can play also like agree. maybe uh, Was it
0: I said just agreeing mean, with you all around I'm a little surprised but keep going yeah
1: yeah I mean I think that keep, he's keep I, rolling I with the Chris Pratt, you're right Pratt takes you're yeah. nailing it I think you're I think you're right sorry I didn't mean to cut in but I agree with both of you double agree
2: I mean I just think like he like I don't he's not a damn day Lewis like he can't like mold into like a different person. person. but i think when given the right role that fits into his style like i think he's bad in the jurassic world movies but otherwise i think he's like i think he's really good in guardians of the galaxy 2 for instance a
1: lot of of casting directors took a lot of the worst things from his role in guardians of the galaxy
2: sure yeah i mean i don't think he's like like the beef macho like no nonsense type that they was trying to go for in good dinosaur like when he's like the goofy affable like sweet-natured guy that means well like uh andy from parks and rec like a variation of that like i get like he can only really play variations of that character but i think he's better than he people give him credit for and uh i think that's the case here like i thought he did a nice job my complaints i guess are just that by and large like i think the humor doesn't really work often i think the world building is lacking and I just found the story itself, as far as being a road trip film, to be kind of by the numbers for Pixar. Like I was expecting something a little bit more of an oomph before like the last like 20 or so minutes. But as it stands, I think it's more good than bad. So I enjoyed it.
0: All right. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Going into my thoughts, I'm glad Monsters University was brought up. That's a movie that when I first saw Monsters University, I was like, this is OK. Yeah, it's good. All right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the ending is kind of interesting. It's like, you don't see it coming as much. And you're kind of like, oh, you're actually because you expect that it's going to do the traditional ending sort of thing. Uh, And you kind of have the same thing with Onward, except I think to a greater degree. I think this is a kind of a slightly better movie in a lot of respects than Monsters University. And I really enjoy that film. Uh, Yeah, without without being hyperbolic, I, I just think this film really nails it. I think it really nails what it's going for. And I've seen it twice now. And the things that stick out for me are the relationship between the brothers is very well written. It's very believable to the point where, you know, Charlie, you sort of brought up your, your personal connection to the movie. But, you know, definitely the same sort of deal for me where I have an older brother, so I had a little bit more of a relation. Like, I'm sorry. Like, people have been saying, like, oh, man, the first 20 minutes of Onwards, so boring. I could not disagree more. I was really into it. Uh, somebody with kind of an absentee father, uh, who is still very much in my life, of course, these days. But, you know, growing up, a lot of it was just me and my brother. And even then, my brother was kind of viewed by my family as a bit of a screw up, uh, to be honest, and a bit of a black sheep. And he's a bit older than me. And that relationship, that as they portray it here, there are a few movies, I think, that have really captured what it's like. Uh, the movie that I thought of the most probably while watching Onward is probably Sing Street, which is a fantastic film about brotherhood. It's a fantastic film that's like about that sort of thing without overdoing it. And with Onward, I, yeah, just to address a few things, because that that's the central thing, is that I think it really works as a story about two brothers finding a little bit of magic in the world. Uh, I do think that it cu- it takes shortcuts, you know, kind of funny enough for a road trip. Um, I don't think it always takes the path of peril as it refers Uh, but I did really like the world building overall I think that they could have done way more with it but I didn't feel let down like I didn't feel like the movie should have done more and I would have liked it more in terms of world building I felt like what we got was good and they could do it even better the next time I I could see an onward two. And it, I would be very happy to see it, because I think there's a lot of uh, really good jokes they could make that they didn't even start to make. Uh, I think a lot of people have compared this to maybe like Shrek, uh, but not always like in a positive way, because Shrek has way more jokes, I think, that work in a very crowd pleasing level. And uh, I I can't see you right now, Will, but I can almost sense you're shaking your head.
2: Um, I I don't know if that's the case. But regardless, um, uh, I don't I don't really see the Shrek comparison, but I, I don't. I don't think it's completely off base. You don't see it. I,
0: I mean, yes, Shrek. Really. Shrek doesn't take place in the modern day, but it, it goes for the same type of fantasy modern world humor, right? Like Starbucks across the street yeah. in Shrek Two, like kind of like fantasy. Uh, you're talking more the more. Shrek
2: seek. You're talking more the Shrek sequels. Possibly. Like not, that's like more so, Shrek Two. Well, there's
0: some of that in the first Shrek, though. Like
2: uh, a little, but not. Like, I mean me, the like, whole the just, whole theme
1: park gag is like a third of the movie in the first Shrek, like like the like uh, are you uh, talking do, about Duloc or do, Loss or do or, whatever y- yeah where Farquaad lives.
2: Well, I mean that's that's like a part of the plot. I mean that's not really that's like some I don't know I I'm not talking about the, plot. I'm the talking comparison. about the jokes
0: like the types of jokes like you know it's anachronistic.
2: I guess I mean to me like it the first movie is more just poking fun at the lore of fairy tales, which I think is what makes it age better than say Shrek two where it's. Like poking fun at American Idol and yeah, like Starbucks, like you said and stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I I guess what I'm saying is like a joke. Like there's a joke in Onward where it's like this restaurant is now serving second breakfast. Like that's something I would yeah, it also was. See it was in the, it was track. the burger.
1: It was the burger shire. Yeah, and that's that's that was such a good joke because it was such a it was, was a, a twofold joke. Lord of the Rings joke.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I, we're just all all Charlie and I are trying to say. So the trick too <laughs> is that we disagree with you and we don't like that you hate this movie no that's not what we're saying i mean to be fair like burger shire
2: is shrek 2 (laughs) like that's not shrek 1 but yeah whatever um
0: okay but back on track with onward i do want to bring up the manticore Uh, who is voiced by Octavia Spencer. I think a lot of people have said that like, once she gets into this movie and we sort of like experience this, like sort of Chuck E. Cheese, Applebee's kind of themed restaurant that she runs. And she's like this jaded general manager, even though in the past she was once this like legendary quest giving creature. Uh, I love that scene. Like And it ties into like, one of my favorite things about this movie is the expressiveness of the characters. I think it's Mm. really great that they let the main characters be elves. And then a lot of the side characters were kind of like monsters. You would see from monsters university or monsters Inc. You know what I mean? Where they're just sort of like background characters, but they make it count with like the manticore in, in particular, she is so like her face is doing so much from scene to scene. And it's it's like things like that where I'm like, if you compare this to dr- like a DreamWorks, like lazier kind of DreamWorks animation film, I'm like, I'm really annoyed by that because I think like this is like Pixar quality in my opinion. Like this is real Pixar tier in terms of animation, in terms of like the level of detail they put into the world building and the uh, the expressiveness of the characters, their design. I think that it all really works well. I, mean, I don't think I'm like totally I don't think that's the consensus opinion. I think a lot of people are like, ah, the, it's not the best I've ever seen from Pixar visually or narratively. What, what do you think, Charlie? Is that has it been your well, opinion I, I, as well, or?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's very like. I think the consensus opinion is this movie's fine, and it's kind of a middle of the road Pixar movie, and it might be in terms of the story for most of it, maybe middle tier. But again, I think it's still slightly higher than that. I mean, I I really. Again, I connect to it. But I think that you hit the nail on the head with the expressiveness of these characters. I mean, there's a scene... Um, about maybe halfway through a little more, a little more than halfway through when the manticore is like slamming these energy drinks and you just watch her face start twisting and thinking and moving a hundred miles an hour. And I mean, my eyes just grew because I, I, you don't see that happen in, I mean, even other Pixar movies, like, I don't remember a time being that enamored with a character's face. And, you know, I couldn't stop staring at this character's face because it was so expressive and it was doing so much. Um, and I think, you know, something that I, I to that effect, uh, you know, we're about the monsters, like, this movie gets so weird. It, it allows itself to get very weird and very creepy and different. And, you know, there's, in that scene, in that Manticore Tavern scene, there is this, like, almost realistic-looking, like... Chuck e. cheese mascot style puppet like person in a suit and it's one of the more horrifying things i've ever seen in a pixar movie it is it's terrifying to look at and i love it it, it looks so different from everything else
0: you you mentioned by the way the manticore drinking energy drinks uh, i think it's it's fair to say don't let the manticore drink alone because octavia spencer the movie ma anything okay
1: <laughs> the mon you the are? manticore
0: yeah, yeah yeah i i that was for will and again, I just think Will's really mad at me. That's why he's not reacting. He's just like, I don't. Know. Um,
2: Sorry, Josh. <laughs> how, how are you feeling, Will? How, how are you? I'm great. Uh, I'm doing
0: well. <laughs> it sounds like you liked this movie, okay. Uh, where do you think the movie could have been yeah. better? Like, where, like, if there was one thing about this movie that you think they should have really focused on to improve it, that it really, it would have really upped it a level for you. Because you mentioned a few things that were lacking, but what in particular do you think stands out?
2: Um, I mean, like I was saying before, I think it just comes down to the humor and the world building. Like, I think that's the main things that don't quite, I just feel like there's something there that, like, it's almost there. Like, you can tell this is obviously a Pixar film where they put the right effort into the right scenes. And, like, you can tell the script's very compact. And, like, there's a lot of uh Chekhov's guns that, like, pay off in satisfying ways throughout the thing. But I just felt like there's, I don't know, just I can't really remember any particular jokes that well in a way that like past Pixar films like I can like you can say like one line and just like instantly I remember something and it's great and this is just like yeah I mean there's like there's like amusing stuff in it but like I don't really remember laughing at much at anything in the movie or really being taken aback by any particular anything in particular about what they did with the characters or the lore that they established. um beyond like the first five minutes which I thought was pretty visually inventive and fun. Um, like it, you know, I, I think the movie works overall, but just seems like there's some like key things where if they were just improved a little bit, this could have, I would have been probably on par with how you two feel about the film.
0: I honestly, I think that this movie, it's another monsters university where I think it's going to be appreciated more and more over time. Like, I think it's really rewatchable and I I really like, honestly, the second time I liked it even more. Uh, I just think that it's like, it's such a breezy, comfy film. Like these characters sort of exist in a world that feels really just nice to be in. And there's a lot to say about that. Now, Will, I I think that it is fair to your perspective that if we look at the cinema score. It's an A minus, which sounds great, right? A minus?
2: Great. Yeah, it's good.
0: But that's not good for Pixar movies. Uh, the, the lowest score received by Pixar on cinema score is an A And it's tied with Cars 2 for that and okay and, and i don't know what, why that is necessarily i you know this seems like the kind of movie where i think you take your kids and like adults can go i think you'll get a lot out of it i think that you'll really enjoy it and laugh and and have an emotional moment i, I don't think it's underselling the movie or overselling the movie to say that that ending is really effective i cry i cried both times i watched this movie and again that uh, it probably has a lot to do with my personal experience I do know some people who have similar experiences, like who are siblings and have gone through similar situations. Who they haven't been emotionally moved by this movie, and so I've been paying attention to that. And I think that it's valid. Yeah, just not the case for me necessarily. Will Ashton, is this where you tell us about your brother you've never mentioned on the show
2: before? I I think I have mentioned my brother on the show. Have you? Okay, maybe I haven't. But yeah, I mean, I could, you know, like I get what you're saying. Like I could relate to i mean to a certain extent like i could see my relationship with my brother in this film with these two characters but i don't yeah like you said like i didn't quite get the emotional tug that i expect like i think it hits all the pixar beats and i think it does it fine but it just didn't like ring me out the emotions that even something like inside our coco from a few years ago did it just like i uh, like it, it it did it well like i don't cry in movies so I, I i'm not the best to judge it but uh yeah maybe maybe someday when just wait Mulan's ducks, uh, coming
0: out eventually
2: in like a week or two right
0: uh yeah well I'm gonna see it this week but I do yeah. don't think it's gonna come out uh well it might get delayed we'll see
2: um yeah I don't know but um yeah I mean it I think it does what it needs to do like I think that's where I stand on the film <laughs> is I think right. it serves its purpose I had a decent time watching it but I guess Unlike you two, like where it's grown on you for me, like I, I, until we were doing this podcast, like I had mostly forgotten about this movie. (laughs) Like I was like, oh yeah, I saw a Pixar movie this weekend. How about that? And that's not to say it was a bad film. Like I said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I I liked the time I spent in the theater watching it, but it hasn't really left a deep and resonant impact on me the way a lot of other original Pixar movies have. And it's possible that a second watch or revisit at some point, not lying will change my opinion on that but for now i think it's you know it's a solid b minus verging on a b but i'll give it a high b minus b minus I'll, I'll tell you what's a
0: b minus <laughs> <laughs> uh but my before I do. <laughs> uh, yeah charlie ridgely uh what are your what are some of your final thoughts on the movie anything else you want to bring up and uh you're great of course
1: I think, I mean, not to put down Will's opinion, but the exact opposite of what Will just said. In that I'll, I'll put down not... his opinion
0: later. Don't worry. True. <laughs> sure.
1: I, I haven't stopped thinking about Onward since I watched it, but I guess five or six days ago was, was the screening. And I'm, I've just, every day, like something has reminded me of something in Onward. And I've thought about a moment in Onward. And I've thought about, you know, especially that ending. Like there's, you know, there's a scene where there's a character crossing off a list and like that that moment, to me, just, it, it gets me so well. Yeah, Charlie, um, I'm
0: trying to keep it cool over here, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm not supposed to touch I mean, my face, is, you
1: know. and
0: I'm, like, wiping tears.
1: Which, side note, never knew how much I touched my face until I started thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, Lord, I touch my face all the time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I've, I'm have i so excited to go see this movie again. Like, I still need to see The Way Back. I still need to see The Invisible Man. But every time I think of it going to the movies, I'm like, I'd really just want to go watch onward again. I want to go spend more time in that world. Um, and with those characters and, you know, um, definitely it, it gets an A from me. I don't think it's, I don't think it's perfect. I think very few movies are, um, I don't even think it's maybe the best Pixar movie out there, but I do think when all is said and done, this will long be one of my favorites from them. You know, I think when I look back in a few years, this will be, you know, it was like, oh, what what Pixar movie do you want to watch? It's like, well, the Toy Story movies, and onward. Like that's gonna be one of my go tos, I think.
0: All right, that's a an A from Charlie Ridgley, super high grade, love it. Um, yeah, you know, for me, I, I because I've been trying to defend this movie's honor from the ruthless and savage Will Ashton. Uh, who just is mercilessly running over this this movie with his tractor? No, of course he said that he liked it, whatever that means. But no, for me, my my criticism with this film, uh, I have like one chief criticism. I actually think that it's humorous. I I, I laughed at it, and um, I do like the world building. Sure, it's not like it's not the kind of world building that I think is standard creating like it's not like a an, all that impressive however i do do think that it is a world that is very fascinating and i think that they do pull it in some interesting dis, di, uh, directions and i was watching out for that the second time i was like okay how interesting is this world really and i think it's it's overall effective uh but no my, my chief criticism is that I, I do think parts of this movie it, it does rely a bit on the pixar cliches I mean, if you, my goodness, if you look at some of the Pixar films and how similar they can be to one another, you have two sort of mismatched people going on like a road trip adventure. The central emotional through line is about like parenthood. Uh, You know, like the whole journey thing is straight out of like Finding Nemo, Inside Out, Toy Story. There's always these undertones of like, a parental figure looking out for the younger one. And it, it's just a lot of cliches and a lot of people would call it, I think uh, I was actually like Alex Dowd, for example, from a V club. He called it like a template that Pixar kind of has like for their formula. And this movie, you know, it, it follows, it follows a rule book. It follows a formula. It, it kind of follows a recipe actually. And I think that the good thing is that it does it well. And it executes it well. But if you are looking for that Pixar touch of magic that makes it seem like you're watching something totally different, totally new. Uh, If I recall, this was a very similar criticism that came out for Inside Out. A lot of people were like, ah, you know, this isn't that new. Uh, You know, Howard's head or whatever that sitcom was. Uh, You can kind of see that same criticism coming in for this movie. herman's head herman's head sorry wow yeah that sitcom <laughs> that should be respected and no one I should didn't ever. say that <laughs> herman's head i i had most of it right i had the h i had the yeah. head part anyway and then also the good dinosaur a lot of people were like ah it's just yeah okay fine lion king and a boy and his dog whatever like that's not new that's not original but yeah all that's set I do think that this movie, despite all those cliches, it is executed so well. And I do think, I I disagree with you, Will, and I agree with you, Charlie, that it is kind of an unpredictable ending in how everything turns out. Like, I had a feeling this movie was going to move in a direction that wasn't quite what we were going to get, but it did still surprise me. And that could say more about me than... The movie i don't know but for me i can just say that i really appreciate the message of this movie i think it's really strong i think this is a great movie for kids to watch uh so i'm gonna give the movie an a minus so a minus for me b minus i guess for will um we'll get that up though charlie we'll work on it we'll we'll check in with him later we'll get there yeah, we'll yeah, get there. yeah. he's he'll come around but um <laughs> and then an a from charlie so Uh, The next season of of
1: It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre is going to be Onward.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, (laughs) I guess it's like a B-plus average for this movie. Something like that. But uh, all right, that's Onward. I I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this. And I think that uh, if you don't catch it in theaters because of the coronavirus and everything like that, if you do happen to catch it uh, streaming online somehow, uh, I I think people will really like it. I think it's going to be a good family movie going forward. But let's get into our next review. We're going to talk about The Way Back. And I'm the only one who saw this,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm planning to check it out at some point, but unfortunately I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm surprised you didn't
0: see, I this have to see it instead of Onward because yeah, <laughs> of your relationship I mean, to Ben Affleck, of course. Yeah. Your
2: guy. I mean, I don't to clarify for anyone who doesn't follow me on Twitter. I, I have no actual physical or uh, human relationship with Ben Affleck. I just think. <laughs> not yeah, without it. Know, it's, that's not detailed. what I heard. <laughs> sure. Uh, just I think his the photo of him on the beach, shirtless <laughs> with a phoenix tattoo, staring out to the ocean, with heavy contemplation on his face is just a a pure uh. reflection <sighs> of my essence on on celluloid or whatever. Right, the you
0: made. you change your. Your uh, Twitter profile pretty pretty regularly. And you always, always it come always back comes back
2: into <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: the tattoo. Uh, and I don't blame you. But okay, so The Way Back uh, in some markets is known as Finding The Way Back. I'm not sure why. Uh, this is a new... Probably
2: to uh, separate it from the Pierre Weir movie, right?
0: Maybe. Maybe. There, there is another movie out there called The Way Back. And this is not as you would expect the prequel to The Way Way Back which is better movie, great movie. Um, and this movie's good, too. It's uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor, who has made some really good movies. Uh, I really like Warrior, and uh, I I don't love Miracle, but it's good-ish. And then he made like one movie I really hate called The Accountant, which Will and I talked about a bunch of years ago. Uh, yeah. Still hate it. Not a, not a fan. Not a fan at all. Uh Charlie Ridgely, what's your relationship to some of these movies? Did you see uh well there was also Jane got a gun but I never yeah, saw that with uh, Natalie Portman. He
2: he kind of like came in last minute for that cuz that was going to be a yeah. lin Ramsey movie.
1: Yeah that that was one that Natalie Portman I feel like called out specifically recently. That could have been something. Uh, yeah. I mean I I I like Evan O'Connor. I like Warrior. Um accountants whatever uh mm-hmm. I, I really like miracle I mean, miracle's bit, always been one of my favorite sports movies um i was a little disappointed in the personal choices of the real miracle hockey team uh lately but um i've always really adored miracle as a film um i think i just have i have a, I'm a big fan of kurt russell so it's always kind of stuck up there with me in terms of sports movies um but i mean other than that i, I don't have any you know i like gavin o'connor i have anything against gavin o'connor but i'm not a wouldn't consider myself a giant Gavin O'Connor fan.
2: Well, I think he's just one of those directors that I think people kind of take for granted. Like he just makes con- either okay to consistently like pretty good movies, and kind of in that James Mangold mold where he's like hmm. not really a household name, but
0: his movies
1: are of like he, his stuff. He needs he needs yeah. his Logan.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was supposed to be the accountant was like the movie that was supposed to like really and it was
2: a hit actually. We should we shouldn't underplay I mean, it. it. It was a box. It episode. had a great trailer. I will defend the trailer. The trailer's great.
0: But this new movie, The Way Back, uh, this is a really good movie. I think I actually, I think it's as good as Warrior. And I really like Warrior. If you don't remember, that's the Joel Edgerton film where uh, him and Tom Hardy, actually, uh, they play like UFC fighters who are brothers. And it's like this really dramatic personal story. And you mentioned James Mangold. I think similarly, Gavin O'Connor just has this knack for nailing male drama which sounds like something you sh- that shouldn't either be very hard or very interesting but you know maybe it's not that interesting but for us guys for us bros it is i mean i dudes. i watch his movies and yeah yeah you get with your dudes like sometimes you need a dude day you know i had a dude day just today i mean will
2: Ash. yeah i was gonna say he like makes a lot of dad movies. Dad, well, very know, much a dad, dad movie movies, guy. but
0: also bro movies. I don't want to discount sure. the bros.
1: Sure, but your dad—I guess your dad could be a bro. <laughs> sure. Really interesting. I didn't know that Gavin O'Connor did the pilot for The Americans.
0: He did. Oh yeah, he did yeah. Uh, one or two mm-hmm. episodes. Very recall. interesting.
1: Very interesting. Anyway, yeah, it's a good yeah. pilot.
0: Um, I guess with Miracle, that's kind of a... anyway. So I think that's the way back is actually, I haven't actually described the film. So let's, let's back it up a little bit. Let's everyone calm down Uh, We've had a little bit of fun. But what what is the way back? All we've mentioned is that it's directed by Gavin O'Connor. It stars Ben Affleck. Um, It was written by Brad Inglesby. And it is a very personal story about an alcoholic construction worker played by Ben Affleck, who when he was in high school, he was, he was the star. He was the show. Uh, he was this amazing basketball player in the late nineties or mid nineties. And at this point in his life, he's divorced or separated and he's kind of isolated himself. Um, it's, it's like everybody has coronavirus and he's like, I'm just going to stay at home and drink. Uh, that's kind of his, his approach to life, which honestly, uh, I understand that a big through line of this movie is alcoholic, uh, the alcoholic, uh, condition is not something to joke about. It's not something to make light of. I understand. Yes, this podcast is called Holic's, And in some way we are betraying that idea. But at the same time, I think that anybody who deals with that addiction should seek help and they should try to process um, these issues that they're having with alcohol uh, overconsumption with a therapist. But all that being said, Uh, For people who are watching this, who maybe have not dealt with that before, it can be kind of difficult to watch this movie uh, and sort of sift through the pain that this guy is going through. And what I like about the movie a lot, actually, in the early going, is that there's not a ton of exposition. There's not like a bunch of moments where it's like, there's that guy. He drinks a lot and he deals with this trauma. Instead, the movie actually like slowly, usually visually, explains where this dude is coming from. Why is he like this? And I think the the effect of that, the the good like result, is that he's more likable. He's likable because you've slowly been introduced to him. You're not learning about him through the words of other people. And the thrust of this movie is that eventually he is, he gets a call. To become the new head coach of a struggling basketball team at the high school he used to go to, that he was the big star. And if you're you're hearing that and you're like, okay, so it's like Coach Carter, it's like it's like every sports movie, you know, not just basketball, like Bad News Bears, where it's like, here's this persnickety old dude trying to turn around and inspire a group of kids. And that that is kind of what this movie is, but I think Gavin O'Connor, he adds something he had something extra to the proceedings. He infuses some of that like believable drama that I was hinting at earlier where this isn't like your stereotypical film. Like this actually turns out in ways that are surprising and interesting. And as you get to know this guy it doesn't go in all of the directions you expect for what you learn about him. Like for these movies, these movies, you can expect like, okay, here's the scene where this happens. And like, this is going to be the scene where this happens. And I'd say that only like a third of the time you're going to be able to get that. Uh, But the other two thirds, like it, it doesn't quite turn out that way. Not to say that, this movie is really unpredictable or anything like that. It isn't. It's word predictable in the execution, and I'm dancing around it because I don't want to give a lot away, and I don't want to give people a wrong impression of this movie and make it sound like it's this really inspiring sports drama prestige picture. It's it's none of that. It, it really is just kind of like a kind of a sincere look at how different people process uh, certain types of depression and addiction. That's kind of what this movie is. And it's funny. It's got a good humor, a good sense of humor that it just percolates every now and then. It's not overpowering. Uh, good, good supporting actors. I'd say that the problems with this film start with uh, how not everybody in the cast is, is like all that memorable. Um, there are a few people in here who I really love, like Michaela Watkins, who, you know, they're just kind of there. And... You would expect um, more of a presence. I do want to shout out Janina uh, Gavankar though. She is so good in this. And I, I wish more people were paying attention to her career. Uh, I think like she first came out of my radar with um, Battlefront 2. Weirdly enough, the campaign for that, where she, her likeness is used for the main character, Iden Versio. Well, great story, Weirdly. Uh, that you wouldn't expect, but she she has a good role in this that I wasn't I wasn't expecting to see her. I was like, "Whoa, hey, you're that character? How fun!" But uh, yeah, some of the other performers in here, uh, you know, I think like the basketball team is pretty good. Uh, the basketball team, what I like about them, they actually act like teenagers, and that's so rare. You don't usually see that. Like as teenagers, they're not like sometimes when you see these teams like in these movies or like okay. Like they're a bunch of misfits and like they, they, they talk like they're 25, but in here they kind of do things that teenagers do. they like, they're really braggy. They're showboats. Uh, there's like this one guy who like does this like goofy dance and like they all get into it. I was like, yeah, those are like really annoying teenage guys. Like i I know those guys. Like I walk by them, you know, like all the time. I was like, okay, yeah, those guys are like 16, 17, whatever. Uh, And they're in this movie. And I liked that. I I just, I think that Gavin O'Connor has a real knack for just capturing people how they are without making it seem a little bit too cinematic and as such, yeah, this this movie really works. It's really solid. I, I'm a B on it. I just think it's like a B movie, but enthusiastic. Like it's a, it's a kind of movie that like it should be like a C plus kind of movie where you're like, oh, how many times have we seen this? But instead, it's like, oh, this is actually made with some craft. It's it's like almost a B plus. You know, like it's like, oh yeah, I would recommend this to like all of the dads in my life and all of the the 20, 30 something guys. So aside from that there's not a ton that this movie has to offer except that ben affleck performance is so deep and biting and it's just it's just amazing to me ben affleck in general how he's like kind of processing himself through his movies and it's just it's hard to separate the art from the artist in this sense because like what he's going through in this movie is like oh my gosh like this is like what he's actually kind of going through. Like he's, he's been, therapy on film. He, yeah. I mean, yeah. It reminds me of like the Shia LaBeouf thing with honey boy. Like he has publicly stated that he's dealt with addiction to alcohol and other things. And yeah, when he was making the Batman movies, uh, you know, all of that was going down and like his marriage fell apart and all of this stuff. And I think that the way back, uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously very different. It's not it's not a biopic or anything like that, but yeah, you, if you, if you were like, man, I really want a Ben Affleck biopic right now. Uh, this is probably the close, one of the closest things you'll get to it besides his cameo and suicide squad. Um, so yeah, uh, I like this movie. It's, uh, it's making some money at the box office, uh, but it actually costs like, I think up upwards of like 25 million to make. And it's, it's probably going to make like 10 or 11 million and it's uh once all is said and done maybe a little less actually i think it's like a 9 million right now but uh that's good it's it's making enough money it's warner brothers and i hope that you both check it out soon again that's a b for me charlie do you you plan on seeing the way back
1: yeah actually i've been talking about seeing it this week um you know i've i'm i grew up with sports and so i've always been a like oh brooding sports movie, I'm definitely gonna go see that. Um, movie has your number, you know. And 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 I do. I like Ben Affleck. You know I, what you're saying reminded me. It reminds me a lot of how I felt about Triple Frontier, and I thought that was a yeah. very therapeutic role for him. In you know, if you saw that movie, it was very it was an addiction of sorts, you know, to his past life and to who he used to be. And, you know, this guy struggling and then trying not to become the self that he hates. And then ultimately spiraling into the self that he hates. And, um, it very, I I felt that a lot with that movie. And I, I'm really excited to see the way back and kind of see the next step of that evolution with him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated with Ben Affleck's post Batman career and, uh, post hopefully post alcoholism career. Um, you know, I'm, as as much as, you know, I think Justice League and those movies kind of suck. I don't think they were his fault. And I certainly don't think that he deserved a lot of the hate that he got for it. Um, And I'm really excited to see him get to do what he loves again and to actually love it again and to see what that looks like as a fan, you know, watching his career.
0: All right. Well, Ashton, we'll have to have a follow up conversation uh, once you see this film, because I really want to know yeah. what you think. And mm-hmm. I think you said you're going to see it this week.
1: Yeah, I'm going to
2: try to see it um, tomorrow if I can. If not, sometime this week, like Charlie said. Um, yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of what you said, Charlie. I just think Ben Affleck as, like, a public figure of celebrity is just fascinating because he just embodies so much of, like, the rise and fall of a traditional celebrity. And he just has, like, basically all the check marks. But he's also, like, a very smart, conscientious uh, actor and filmmaker. And he... he you know, he's clearly talented in the right part and when he has a good material and even when he uh, gets a chance to do his own material or he is in the director's chair. And um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm definitely intrigued by this film in many different ways. And I, I'm glad to hear that's therapeutic and that it is one of his better performances. And I'm looking forward to see it for myself.
0: Hope you do. And I'm excited to talk to you about it even more on a later date. And uh, there's, there's so much about this movie that I didn't even get into. Uh, that is it's it's something else. It's a little different, but that's the way back. Let's talk about our next movie. Talk about Emma period. That's a period piece. Get it. Um, literally the title is Emma period like punctuation. Um, that's, that's that, uh, will Ashton. I've I've talked
2: crazy about the title. (laughs) uh,
0: it's, It's a little tough to say full stop, I guess is the other way you would say it. But, um, this is based on the novel by Jane Austen. Very famous one. Uh, it's also been adapted many times. I think notably the Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, film from the early 90s well, and clueless i was gonna
2: say yeah was gonna say, clueless is probably the biggest adaptation i was you getting know, to it yeah. you thought i was gonna I forget about
0: clueless okay
2: i was i didn't think i knew you're building up to it but you i just knew. i i wanted to just cut right to it because it's like i hear you let's just get to you. It. um
0: but will ashen uh why don't you do the honors what is this movie i know you've seen it you saw it a while ago i'm f- i'm as fresh as it gets i just saw this right before we we got together so who made this movie and what's it about
2: yeah, this is the directorial debut, or feature directorial debut, of um, Autumn DeWilde, who is a photographer, I believe, and a music video director, and a, she's done She a did the Project Sondheim was...
0: thing for HBO, or one what of them. She did, some, she did some directing work for the, the six on Sine- Sondheim for HBO. It was, like, it was
2: a while back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. But, but you're
0: right, it's like her
2: feature debut. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think it's her first film, and uh, it's, like you said, based on the... Uh, Jane Austen novel of the same name which is centered around the title character Emma Woodhouse who is uh how do they say it she is young beautiful and fair or handsome or what was it you, you would know better than I would since you've just seen this
0: uh young beautiful and
2: vain okay but that was I thought something was like handsome young and handsome is another one of the ones yeah yeah, there's okay. a lot of adjectives.
0: I well, which, I don't know which one you're going for. What's up?
2: No, I was just I was trying to remember what it exactly was because it starts the film. But um, yeah, she is a you know well off, uh, well to do young woman. Uh, she's with her father, played by Bill Nighy, uh, and she is uh, you know a compassionate friend. She's very well mannered and she you know uh speaks very eloquently and uh she is also at the moment trying to help her friend played by Mia Goth, uh you know find a suitor for her and she thinks she finds the guy that would be would be good for her and that they have feelings for one another and then things get a little more complicated it's it's
0: the nice version of Midsommar right sure considering the Mia Goth connection
2: maybe yeah but um she has like no real desire to marry or really get connected in any way, Even though, um, quite a few young women her age are settling down in the process of you know raising their own families, but um, that might change when she reach when she meets the right man.
0: Yeah, well, and her issue guess, is that she wants she doesn't want to leave her dad, built by played right. by Bill Nye. Like, yeah, he, he's she wants to continue to be like she's kind of like the queen bee, right? Of this like yeah, little I mean, community, she kind of likes where she's at little, right now. She doesn't want to shake it up.
2: It's a little bit of a mix of like she very much likes the the manner and structure of society, but she also doesn't really want to conform to it. So it's this little kind of uh, difficult balance in that regard.
0: Yeah, she's like the first hipster um, Sure. <laughs> all right. Well, I think the first thing that I want to bring up with Emma. Uh, a movie that I love. I love this movie, Ash. And I'm not going to beat around it. I'm not going to be like, okay, sure. let's talk about it and be polite. No, this movie is great. It's so great. And the thing I probably like about it the most, um, or at least it's like tied for the most with um, Anya Taylor Joy's performance and Bill Nye's performance, because I think he's like
2: absolutely wonderful and Nighy. hilarious.
0: Uh, I call Bill Nye um, because he's the science it's guy. Bill,
2: I, for me? Yeah, Bill Nye, he's the science guy. <laughs> That's a either way you house say joke. I can't take credit.
0: The music in this movie is like it's a dream. It's an absolute dream. like if you're not going to watch this movie, if you're already like John will I just don't like period pieces like I don't want to be taken back to that time period. Sorry. Fine. Okay. You know, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to show up to your house. I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to live your life, but I am going to say I am going to force you to listen to the soundtrack from Isabel Waller-Bridge, sister uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge of, uh, Oh yeah? Fle- Fleabag Yeah, yeah uh, She's a music that. composer And uh, well, yeah Fleabag is like Partly based on Her life, right? So that's This is the sister Oh really? Yeah huh.
2: um, I honestly didn't know that Okay William
0: Tyler And then David Schweitzer Also did the music And I It, 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 it needs to be set. I The music You heard it at the beginning Like I couldn't even let Like Onward Was like trying to do its thing It was like Alright, we're introducing Some Maholics And I was like Stop like Onward, you did it. Fine. Stop. I need to listen to Emma again. And I just watched this movie and I, sometimes people say things about music and movies that they're like, it's manipulating me. I've heard that criticism for Onward actually of like, oh, like it's telling me how to feel. And Emma, it does that. It's like, okay, this is how you feel in this moment, but it's so good. I don't care. I want it to tell me how to feel. The music is that good. I want the music to take, I surrendered. To the music of Emma, Will Ashton. Tell me why you disagree.
2: I don't. I liked it. Um okay. I was, I, was saying, I took
0: your silence as like, all right. I'm gonna let him have it.
2: No, I. I wanted to make sure you ha- you said your piece. Um, period piece that is. Uh, nice. No, I mean I. Um, I. I guess I fall in a similar camp that you were alluding to. Like I. I don't know what it is, but I have trouble getting into period pieces traditionally. Like I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but. Um like movies like this are usually my bag. Like I just have trouble connecting to I guess like the kind of like uh high society, you know, uh well mannered, well to do period people of a different time. I just I guess I, I don't have a lot of reliability to that and it, it can be a little bit hard for me to find a thorough way into that. And um for me, I think there's a lot to appreciate here, and I think most of it comes down to like what you're saying, it's Anya Taylor Joy's performance. And, uh, I mean, she's been good in a lot of things. I think she's, I don't, I don't even think she's really ever been bad as far as I can remember, mm, but, um, she's, yeah, no, I think she's, this is her, she's not yeah, what?
0: bad in the Shyamalan film she's been in, but she is kind of like, I don't know.
2: I thought she was fine in, um, I mean, I think glass glass maybe, but I thought weird. she was pretty good. in. Sp- I thought she was pretty good in split. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Glass, yeah, I could see what you mean by glass, but it's like no one really had their finest hour in glass. No, so. no.
0: Well, we'll see, we'll see in new mutants, right?
2: Yeah. That could be. The movie of the summer yeah
0: that's gonna be the big one uh look wait.
1: i'm unironically very excited for new mutants i just I, really? i'm sure yeah. I
2: not that. yeah i'm, I'm excited so like, I, I just think it's it's an easy it's an easy punching bag but i i think i, I want it to be good like i'm it's an underdog at this seriously point. Like, i want it to do good because it had like, it has, I, like i've been excited for, it for that movie
1: for it. so many years
2: <laughs> i mean that first trailer was good like it's a good trailer and yeah. i'm excited horror x-men uh, absolutely yeah i don't know i mean if i were to place money on it it's probably gonna be bad but uh i i want it to be good like i I just want this to have a happy ending just because it's been been through so much and i don't want it to be like 43 percent on rotten tomatoes 20 million at the box office and then never talked about again except at like walmart bargain bins like i I want to have a good ending (laughs) that's not that
0: will ash and uh you're wrong she has been in a bad movie
2: I didn't think she was in a bad movie. I'm saying she has she been bad.
0: Has she been bad? Was she good in Playmobil the movie? I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay, well then we won't know
2: for now. I, I know.
0: Daniel
1: I'm looking Ratcliffe's at her filmography well. right now, so
2: um, and it's it's brutal. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say Danny Radcliffe's, and then I'll talk about his filmography in a little bit. But
1: time out. She was in Peaky. When was she in Peaky Blinders?
2: I don't know. I never I saw *Peaky Blinders*.
1: Yeah, I never saw it. I, I I drifted off on it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I guess I need to change that because Tom Hardy came back, and Littlefinger's in there, and she's apparently in it. I have missed a lot.
2: Well, it's from the guy who made *Sweeney <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, Stephen Knight. What's that guy's name? Stephen Knight. Stephen Knight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Stephen Knight. Um, <laughs> is he still doing it? I thought I thought the show ended a while ago. It's uh, coming it's back, isn't it? it?
1: Oh, is it? Huh. That that show's gonna live forever, as long as well, it's like as Sherlock, long as Killian right? Murphy wants to keep doing it
2: yeah i guess they go off that british schedule where it's just like well whenever we're free we'll come we'll do it and we'll do five episodes and then we'll we'll figure it out later it
0: comes out when we say it does
2: yeah um anyway where was i i don't even (laughs) uh sorry for everything yeah (laughs) No, no no i just i'm just trying to uh place where we were um no i mean i think anya taylor joy is always great but i think it's really her performance that communicates a lot of uh a lot of what I think makes this film so fun and accessible. But I also, I mean, I really want to credit uh, Autumn Dewilde for, you know, she had a clear vision for this project. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to be like, oh, you know, we've had so many adaptations of this. What is she going to do? But I think it's such a vibrant, warm, sweet movie. And I think like I think intentionally she said like she wanted every frame to like look edible <laughs> and like, have, like is. that, like kind of like like that warm, like crisp, like just like a uh, pure feeling. And, uh, it just, you know, I mean, it took me a little bit to get into it. So I, I don't think I'm quite in like the love it territory, but I think by the end I was just really endeared by it in a good way. And, uh, I think it's an easy sell. I, once you get the once you get into it,
0: I was, I was sucked in immediately. I think like the minute I was like, this is one of my favorite movies of the year was very early. It was when Bill Nye, like, he. yeah, Bill Nye, he, uh, He enters the room off of the stairs, but like synced to the music, like right when his feet like plant. And it's like that kind of editing and staging that I'm here for. Like that that to me encapsulates the tone of this movie. And I think that it's hard to adapt these novels in a way that is effective, that it that does feel fresh. How many times have we seen an Emma adaptation? And I think this this movie does a lot of the same similar things that I really liked about the, the show Dickinson on Apple TV Plus, right? With uh Haley Steinfeld, where this isn't as anachronistic as that. Like there isn't like needle drops for like modern music. It's not like This is like historically pretty faithful to the novel. However, it also takes directions in other places that do make it feel like, yes, we're taking a step back into her mind frame, but with modern eyes, for example, like there's a point where we see Mr. Knightley just buck naked. And it's like, oh, you know, yeah, that still matches the spirit of the novel. And, uh, you know, there's a scene, I love this scene where, Emma herself uh is like raising her dress so that she can like get some like warmth like right on her backside and it's like yeah it's like the movie is like taking these swings of like it's it's doing different th- it's not stuffy it's just sort of meeting these characters in a more human level for contemporary audiences and yeah kind like of like little um, women er- I
1: was gonna it, say, uh, it also sounds very much like the favorite. Uh, I
2: was going to say more Marie Antoinette, the Sofia Coppola movies, the one I was thinking of the most. Very
0: similar watching. to Marie Antoinette. I'd say it's not quite as, not quite as daring as the favorite. Almost to, almost not to a detriment, honestly. I think totally different movies, but I think with the same ambitions, like both movies right. are trying to evolve the period piece. into something that's a little bit more intellectually interesting. And, well,
2: well, not only actually, that, but contemporary, while well, still being a like a, about its time, but having a style and a and stylistic. That, uh, okay, yeah. The, yeah.
0: Well, that's where yeah. I would stylistic go with the little women, that
2: were, yeah. yeah,
0: that's where I would go with the Little Women comparison. It's doing the same sort of thing as that movie of like, let's find like a new sliver of truth in this established story. And this movie does that, for sure. I think that, but compared to The Favourite, which is a little bit more of like, let's really just reinvent the period piece, I'll pull back a little bit and say that Emma's not really trying to reinvent anything. It's just sort of like presenting itself in a new favorable light. It's very crowd-pleasing. It's very funny. It's very laid back. It's definitely not like updating the story, right? Like there's nothing in it where you're just like, wow like look at that subtext like oh this movie about rich people sort of being like match made is now being like totally turned on its head it's not that and if that's what you want out of this movie you are going to be disappointed it is still the straightforward like rich white people being rich white people like it's that that's what it is and they're just doing it in a fresher way that's really entertaining and so that's why i think the movie really works and i i love it for that reason
2: Sort of like love and friendship, another Jane Austen adaptation from a couple years ago.
0: Okay, yeah, I didn't see that one.
2: It's good. I, I like. like it. Was it Kate see, Beckinsale, right?
0: Yeah, I like love and Basket, just conceptually, not even just.
2: Is that based on a Jane Austen? No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <I> don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, why well, is it no? Because like be, I'm, I'm, I'm big, big
1: into love and other drugs, but that's that's my. <laughs> Oh, even because of the way, the way back. Yeah.
2: But I meant, cause like there was a period where like, you know, like 10 things I hate about you and clueless and they're yes, all trying yes. to like, I just didn't know if love and basketball was like another example of that. Or that's, uh, yeah, o. that's
0: actually kind of fair. Honestly, I never really considered it seriously, but huh.
2: Is it? I don't know. That's I, what I'm, I'm not asking. familiar with the I,
0: story, so I don't know if they match yeah. up. I'd have to do some research, but
2: I don't know. I, I just know it came out around that time. So I didn't know if it was like a, or Romeo and Juliet, the um, Baz Lazarman one so yeah,
0: yeah that's 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 a bit of a stretch I, I wouldn't compare it to that at all um sure so i i really really dig this movie i i had so 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 much fun during every scene i was totally sucked in it's amazing how sucked in i was into a movie with the lowest stakes it's clueless all over again uh clueless is a very formative movie for me and i really really appreciate that movie and I think this one's really great as well. I'm an A minus on it. Uh, the minus being like, like I said, it, it's it's not really pushing the envelope in ways that I wish it maybe could have. Uh, but at the same time, I really appreciate the movie that we did get. Uh, I'm a little concerned of like, you know, some audiences aren't going to really love it. It's got a B cinema score, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if it's working for everybody on the same level, but I do think it's a pretty safe watch like a safe watch in the sense that you'll probably like it a good amount. Hopefully you like it or love it as much as I do. Uh but what about you, Will? What are your what are your final thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean for me it's like your quintessential good grandma movie, like type of movie that's Jeez, you know
0: that came off way more hostile than I think you meant.
2: Did it,
1: really,
0: yeah not, <laughs> it's, like, meant- eh, it's your typical grandma movie. No,
2: no no I mean like what I meant by that is like the movie like a movie you can see with your grandma. And you have a good time, it's a good film okay. and you're like, that was nice. It's, and it's your not grandma's any like yeah,
0: you're not making a better film. <laughs> I don't know Yes. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Your grandma won't watch anything else, so
2: No, I mean it's a type of film that like like I don't I don't really see where it's going off wrong, but well, I guess um... I guess
0: Charlie and I <laughs> idolize the relationship you have with your grandma will. Because it's pretty I awesome. So. I
2: mean
1: yeah, uh, I, I mean, appreciate just... that you model your real life relationship with your grandmother after uh Joe Parra talks with you.
2: Sure. Uh, well, my grandma is also dead, but, um, unfortunately, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Okay, moving on. on (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, great, great job, guys. (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, I don't know where this is, how this got off the rails. I I was saying something very nice about Yeah, yeah. And and you guys just just took it and ran with it. Um, no, I mean, I'll guess I'll start over. It's, I don't know, like I said, I'm not really a period Piece film guy, like I, I just I, I'm always somewhat resistant to get into these type of films. Um, but no, I mean this one is just very well made, it's very charming, very sweet, with a clear star performance from Anya Taylor Joy. Who, I mean, obviously we've seen quite a few star performances from her, but it just continues to show that she really just has it. She's got, it, and um, really excited to see where she continues to go with her career. And I found the quote. It's on the poster. It's handsome, clever, and rich. And I think. That fits the film as well. Oh. So I was close with
0: Vane. What? I said I was close. I mean, Vane, rich. Rich, yep. Rich in uh, yeah. stature
2: and spirit. So, yeah.
0: All right. Uh, did you say your final grade? You did. Yeah,
2: it
1: was B. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I think it's a great movie. Really worth your time. Uh, Charlie, I hope you you get a chance to catch it soon.
1: Yeah, actually, I wasn't super interested in seeing it until I heard you guys talk about it. And now I'm kind of like... All right, cool. Like I, I want to go have this great experience. Yeah. With, I, I'll call my grandma and we'll go see it. There you go. Uh, It'll be awesome.
0: Focus, focus features, like they, they are just on a roll. Honestly, like they are just killing it. Uh, I think that uh, it, it's funny because their most successful movie ever is *Downton Abbey*. Just based on like profit and like budget and everything. So it is kind of funny that this movie is coming out and it's making good money. It's not making, you know, it's not going to be as big of a hit. It's like 20 million at the box office though, which is nothing to shake at, especially for a movie that really is so unassuming. And last thing I'll shout out is the fact that yes, there are a lot of like sex education, the show, like a lot of actors from it. And so I really appreciate that. Um, I I don't know all of their names by heart, but when they showed up in this show or this movie, I was like, sex education. Oh yes. Um, That's a great show on Netflix, so... All right, that is Emma. Let's do our last review of the week, Spencer Confidential. Uh, This is a new comedy-action thriller from director Peter Berg. Uh, The screenplay is by Sean O'Keefe and Brian Helgeland. Uh, Peter Berg, he's done films like The Rundown, Friday Night Lights, The Kingdom, and I... I can't say that I, I saw this movie coming. I honestly didn't know this really existed until like two weeks ago. And it just dropped on Netflix. It stars Mark Wahlberg though. And Winston Duke, Alan Arkin, Eliza Schlesinger, uh, Mark Marin, weirdly. Uh, I was not expecting that. Uh, i mean that's where you
2: think the cast got weird
0: (laughs) sure sure we'll get into that probably um but uh yeah this is the fifth film that Wahlberg has done with peter bergs uh he did lone survivor with him deep horizon patriots day mile 22 it's like a who's who of like dad movies um and i think probably the best one they've done to date is easily lone survivor I, i actually think that film really works Uh, But this came Uh, out. I would
2: say it's between that or
1: Deepwater Horizon. Okay, it's one of those two. I I haven't seen that one. they've gone significantly downward each time. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, for the most part, I agree. I mean, like I said, I I think Deepwater Horizon is better than people give it credit for. But I haven't seen Patriots Day.
1: I think I think those first two are are good are good movies. Sure.
2: Yeah. I haven't seen Patriots Day. I don't know if it's. I've heard mixed things, but for
0: this film, I think that a big reason we're even talking about it is because it it just kind of works out that. Netflix dropped this on a weekend where a lot of people are staying home and they're self-isolating because of the coronavirus fears. And I've been hearing a lot of people talking about this movie and watching it. And I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say about it. We'll start with Charlie. Uh, I just saw this last night. I'm guessing you saw it pretty recently as well. Uh, can you can you explain what is Spencer Confidential? Like, what is this thing about?
1: Um, I'm going to try. The, the plot is all over the place, but in general, it's easy to explain. Um, I mean, it's based on it's, a, a book, right? It was a book, and then it was a, a TV show in another decade that was not this one that I don't know which sure. one, but yeah, it was something called was Spencer called, something.
0: Uh, the book was called Wonderland um, by Ace uh, Ace Atkins, and uh, I a don't know about name. the TV show,
2: though.
1: Ace Atkins. The TV, the TV show we looked it up the other day was called uh, Spencer for Hire was the TV show, um, and it is about this guy named Spencer who was a cop in Boston. At least in the movie. Um, and wait, wait, Mark Wahlberg plays it. Te-
2: wait, you're telling me Mark Wahlberg is playing a cop in Boston? In Boston.
1: <laughs> and, P- and Peter Berg directed it. Imagine yeah. That.
2: Whoa.
0: It's funny because, like, this literally is like it, it, he went to Peter Berg and was like, hey, I want to do another Boston movie that was like The Departed, but I get a bigger role. Can I do it?
1: John's so excited he can do his Boston accent. Someone someone on Twitter referred to this as... Not a lot of
0: people know that I was born there.
1: Someone said, say hi to your mother for me. Say hi to your movie. mother for me. And that's the best way to like say what this movie is. It's just Mark Wahlberg being in Boston.
2: I got to disagree only because that was what Mile 22 was. <laughs>
1: Well, th- this is that, but worse because it's,
2: uh, I think Mouth 22 is worse, but we'll get into that.
1: I haven't seen Mouth 22. So you might be right. Uh, I hope not yeah. because I thought this was pretty bad, Sure, but it's, it's about this cop who was a good cop, but then the, another cop did bad things and he beat up the cop for doing bad things and he went to jail for five years and then gets out and then the cop who did bad things dies and they're trying to figure out why all these bad things are happening. It's like, oh, well, Spencer's back out. It's his fault. And then he's trying to figure out what's actually going wrong. And then he becomes a man of the people and um, sets himself up for a sequel. And, and he has like a sponsor mentor played by Alan Arkin for no reason. And uh, a roommate in Winston Duke who is an MMA fighter who he's also there only to hide the film's white savior complex. Yeah. Um. And then Eliza Schirlinger is very funny in yeah. one of the most stereotypical roles. Like if Blake Lively in the town was played for laughs, that's this uh, character.
0: It's sad to see too, cause they were just together in uh, instant family, right? Mark Wahlberg and uh, Eliza Schlesinger, but she, she was in the know. romantic interest or anything like that. But I, I that was right. a little jarring uh, yeah. for me, honestly. Cause like, the age difference a little bit,
1: but oh yeah. Yeah. Very, very Hollywood. Um, and again, you know, all this, all the side actors, I mean, even Mark Wahlberg, they did fine. They had nothing to work with. Um, but yeah, it is a very, very typical cop movie where this middle-aged white man tries to be the hero to all the, the have nots in the city. Um, and they take a lot of weird routes to do that. There's, uh, a very, very jumbled plot involving a, a race horse gambling, a dog racing slash gambling ring being built on an old dog racing track. And there are Trinidadian gangsters who use swords and um, there are Mexican restaurants to be destroyed. And a lot of things that just aren't necessary in any way, shape or form to tell a story that could have been told in maybe 10 minutes. It's really bad.
0: I think it's important also to point out that uh, it's very loosely based on the novel. Uh, I was reading that if you actually read the novel, like the characters, like basically are nothing like the characters in the novel, like beyond
1: yeah, well, the, the, the characters in this movie are very much, they're all shells. Like they're, yeah, I was
2: going to say, it's, it's a bit generous to say they're characters. If, if you look at, like <laughs> oh, a,
1: I think all these characters, especially Winston Duke's character, um, they all have a really, really interesting hook to them. Like conceptually, they're all very interesting. Um, but they aren't given any kind of fleshing out at all. There's no building to any of those characters like, there are probably three memorable moments in this whole movie and they all involve Winston Duke. And I really would have loved to have seen like to have seen more out of him and have been given more because, you know, he has this whole backstory. He's an MMA fighter because of this tragedy with his dad. And he was told to kind of use, you know, he was very violent in his past. He wanted to use his, his, gifts you know his ability to fight he wanted to use that for good he wanted to send a good message and they kind of they try to bring that back in the third act with this moment with him and this uh this young boy who doesn't have a father and like that moment is really touching and really sweet but only because i was thinking so hard about what i wanted his character to be um the context you're given in the film like there's just there's nothing there to hold on to when you get to that moment um you know and there's a cool thing where he shoves a guy through a wall and that's fun to look at Um, but like, I thought this would be like a really dumb, fun action movie. And there was like no fun or action in this movie. It was just a, a really, it was, it was bad. This is the first time I've been so excited to talk about this because this is, this is the first movie on Cinemholics that I get to talk about that I really didn't like.
0: We're, we're excited to, to unleash the inner Charlie Beast.
1: I was so happy and I felt so bad because I was, I was bugging Netflix about a screener to this movie because, you know, we write about streaming stuff a lot because it's become such a big thing and and most of my job now I write so much about content on streaming services um and I knew this would be a big deal when it came out at least you know it's been on the Netflix top 10 all weekend um because it's a Netflix movie and it stars Mark Wahlberg so it was going to it was just like six underground it was going to have traction with people sitting at home when it came out this is the kind of movie that an algorithm makes and so I wanted to at least have some insight into it so I could write about it and do stuff when it came out and I watched it on Thursday because they, they finally gave me a screening. I was like, okay, cool. Finally I can now sit and write about this. And I watched it and I was like, Nope, have no interest in writing a single thing about anything wow. because it's just so bad. I really I was really disappointed. And I my my bar was just dumb and fun and I was still so disappointed.
0: Yeah, I think for me I had a moment when Post Malone shows up where I was like, This could well, be Possible
1: Post. <laughs> Got credit <laughs> in it by. Awesome. How it's called the film. Awesome. Was this moment in the very beginning of the movie? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I had a moment where I was like, "Wait a minute, this could be so bad that
2: it's good." Didn't happen. Yeah, I had a similar thought. Mm. Right, like it's,
0: it's hard not to wonder.
1: That second scene with Post Malone is one of the worst things I've ever seen. That when with the phone. Oh, oh no.
2: Um. Well, I was gonna say kind of similar to parts in Mile Twenty Two, like there are brief or brief moments where it's like the system seems self-aware and it's like kind of playing like a parody of like a Mark Wahlberg disposable action movie. And you see that in the beginning, at least that's how I felt like it was like, you kind of see like the like knowing look in Mark Wahlberg's eyes, where he's like kind of playing like, like I know the material is not that good, but I'm kind of playing up against it. And like, there's shades of that in the beginning, like after that flashback where it's like, okay, maybe it's, this could be kind of dumb fun that way. But then the rest just seems to like drain all the pulp that could have been found in this story. And it just feels like, like, the most generic version of like a Jack Reacher kind of film you could
1: make. There was a very good dog in it. I will give it that. The dog was, was good. Very Pearl's good,
2: good. Pearl's a good
0: dog. Yeah. I think this movie is complete and utter garbage and it's not as bad as six underground, but at the same time, it's not even as entertaining as six underground, which makes the me thing really is six underground had,
2: good. had a personality. <laughs> it, did. Yes.
0: it did.
1: That was when I watched this in the office on Thursday, the first two people I spoke to the first question out of their mouths was, How does it compare to Six Underground? And it was like, well, on one hand, like, from a filmmaking perspective, I guess it was better. But also, like, I I already forgot every single thing about this movie and I just watched it. Whereas, like, parts of Six Underground still stuck with me. Like, the parkour scene in Six Underground was really fun. Like, Mm -hmm. there were some fun things in that movie regardless of how terrible the rest of the film was. Whereas this, like... That I would say the fun. the
2: boat scenes fun too in Six Underground, but yeah, I get yeah. what you're
1: saying. there there are things you can remember and be like, oh yeah, like that was maybe it was terrible, but that thing was really cool to watch, or that thing was really funny, or you know, borderline so bad it's good territory. Where sure. with this, there's just well, yeah, like I I enjoyed Doolittle more than I liked this movie. Jeez, well
0: let's let's be I more, mean, there's sp- more than yeah. Let's be more specific. We we've been sort of like this movie's terrible. Let's actually talk about it. Like what what is bad in this movie? I'll start everything that happens um we'll
2: ask you. <laughs> i mean the thing is that like because i've seen mile 22 i'm not that harsh on the movie <laughs> like mile 22 is like an incoherent mess of a film like if you guys had seen that i mean i feel like you'd be a little kinder on it just because on this because like that movie is just like a nauseating like headache of a movie and this is like at least semi-competent in comparison but it's also just like not, like you guys were saying, nothing about the story makes any sense. Like, he's a recently uh released felon, but he's, like, trying to go to Arizona to be a truck driver, even though, like, he would have to be in the state for, like, at least, like, two years, right? Even Yeah, recently...
0: well, that's the thing is, well, I think the point is he's studying to become a semi-driver. Oh, that yeah. takes time, doesn't it?
2: And, guys,
1: there's a payoff to that.
2: I mean, I was cackling at the, the scene when he's, like, in <laughs> class, and he's, like, writing, like, bad cop, like, drawing all this stuff. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious.
0: Who killed him? <laughs> who killed Peter?
2: Yeah, like what I heard right, yeah. Who
1: killed... I honestly <laughs> forgot about that and I watched this movie. It like was so eighties.
2: funny. I thought that was... Uh, it's like so serious and like Mark Wahlberg's doing the Mark Wahlberg face like where the pie shape is in his forehead and he's just... <laughs> I can't... That's a joke from Twitter. I can't take credit for that but um, but he's just like so serious about it. it's He's like, who could it be?
1: <laughs> whoever said that is, a, is my hero.
2: Yeah. I can try to... I can try to find that tweet, but I, I, yeah, I can't take credit for it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think the acting in this movie, weirdly, is fine. Uh, it's Mark Wahlberg kind of on autopilot, but like, you can't say that the guy's not committed.
2: I think where this movie but the thing is that like he he's good. He can be good. Yeah. Like he can be. He's been in a lot of really good movies. I feel like here he's like he's good in Instant Family. I'm, yeah, I have my issues with Instant Family, but I mean, I would say he's he's more genuine in that film than than this, where he's like kind of doing the like the happening where he's like just doing that face for most of the movie. What? Like the, the Mark Wahlberg face where he's just like no. pouted and like just looked confused. And it's like, I, I can't really do without video, but it's just like, I don't know. I just, I felt like he just kept doing the Mark Wahlberg face. I can feel it
0: Well, I see it. I can yeah. sense
1: it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was not, and poor Eliza tried, she, she went all in on her character. The director was, the
0: director was like, I didn't have this in mind, but I don't know how to stop her.
1: She's basically like what Tom Hardy did in Venom where he's like, yeah. I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Stop it's me. like, I, I don't you. care what the consequences are. Like, you can keep doing takes. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm
1: going to get, I'm going to go heavier
2: the more you stop <laughs> me. I mean, I think performances wise, like, I mean, Bokeem Woodber- Woodbine is like always going to be at least pretty good. Like, it's hard to get a bad performance out of him. I'm film. never
1: going to not like watching Bokeem Woodbine do stuff.
2: Right. And then, like, Alan is always fun. Like, he just, he's just playing your typical Alan Arkin role in this, and that's fine. Like, I'll take it. And then, um, I was going to say, and then obviously Winston Duke is just like, clearly he has, he's like, he has star power. He's and no so much movie. better than
1: everything about this movie. Yeah.
2: And no movie besides us and black Panther has really been able to channel that. Well, apparently no way. this what,
1: nine days or five days or that movie from Sundance that he's in is supposed to be phenomenal.
2: Oh, I haven't heard about that, but, um, at the same time, like, I do like that this movie does make him seem like a like huge larger in life figure in a way that I think at certain points is kind of fun. Like at one point in the movie, he has like a silver mullet and he's like above like a highway and he just throws it at a car. <laughs> I thought that was fun, but yeah, it was. He, just,
1: he he got some cool things to do here and there, like the smashing he got through I think a wall. He met a just, like, he not him.
2: a mullet. Sorry, I met the same mallet. I was like, I, was like, I missed that a, when he had the silver mallet. Sorry, a silver <laughs> sorry. it's one it's one a.m. for me. I'm it's a little I'm a little tired, but yeah, I met the there, same mallet, a silver there, mallet.
1: There are moments in this movie where I think you get a glimpse of Winston Duke's talent, and you know, like that subtle thing with the, with the kid where he kind of I was gonna say yeah, like he that accesses a part of his character that the director did not even mean to put there.
2: Yeah, like that little moment with him and the kid in the bed is like more compelling than pretty much
1: any scene with Mark Wahlberg in it. Oh it, it's the it is the single best part of the movie and the only part that I'll think about like once the movie's over.
0: I just wanted at one point for him to be like you want to go crazy, we can get crazy. But it never happens.
1: <laughs> is anyone else still mad that, that take from the trailer is not in us? Oh, with the uh,
2: part-time example?
1: Yeah, with, with we you want to get crazy. I'm talking about crazy. the uh, Indiana Jones where he, there's a take where
2: he says part-time but in the movie it's like part-time. There's an example of that in us.
1: Yeah, in in the trailer of us, like the crux of that the first trailer, not the crux, but like the big talked about you know mean yeah. part was when you want to get crazy and he taps the bat. You right. can get crazy, and it's a different cut in the movie, hmm. and it's still it. great. But it's like I I think about it every time.
0: Those always drive me nuts. Like that happened in the first Avengers. Like the way that Tony delivers the billionaire philanthropist line is totally different. Mm-hmm. From the trailer to like the movie, and I've never forgiven the movie for that.
1: Yeah. My
2: go-to is always the Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull example where he's like
1: I've forgotten says, every like, single yeah. thing about that movie.
2: He's like, You're a teacher you're a professor, part-time. And then the movie's like part-time.
0: <laughs> I like how you do the impression too. Part time. Part time. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. like like your Kristen Wig. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great. Anyway, Spencer Confidential is really bad.
0: <laughs> it is. We still haven't said what's bad about it.
2: (laughs) I mean, for me, it's just, like, super generic. Like, it's just, like, a very run-of-the-mill kind of bland movie that, like, we know, like we said, like, we know Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg can do better than this. Like, Peter Berg is such an inconsistent filmmaker, but he he has more style and presence than this. Like, this movie looks weirdly very cheap. Like, even by Netflix standards, like, it
1: looks like a TV movie. And Peter Berg is is not a comedic director, and like he I mean, tries I, to be I think, yeah he tries to be and he does not work i think lone survivor right. is a is a good movie like you said john i mean i um i think Deepwater horizon has its moments and, and i mean I, friday night lights is one of my favorite movies like it's in my top 50 i love oh, i never saw it the friday night lights movie um and i think he does such a great job with that and i just think you have to put him with explosions in the sky for to get anything but sure. um I, I, this is he, he and comedy do not mix yeah I mean, have you seen very bad things Is there something called Very Bad Things? Yeah, it's his first movie. It's Very Bad. No, I have not.
2: It's well, you're better off.
1: (laughs) I have seen Very Bad Things. Spencer Confidential is a Very Bad Thing. Sure.
0: Yeah, speaking specifically as well. Yeah, I think that it's almost being a little mean to generic films because I think this movie is like trying so hard to be the like the passable dad movie and it still doesn't get there. Like there are just scenes that are stitched together with like rubber bands and scotch tape um but like used scotch tape that doesn't have its stickiness anymore what i mean by that is the characterization and the the centralizing of mark Wahlberg as this like really tough boxing boston guy and there's like a myth around his character that would make john wick just like laugh into tears because like there is a movie that understands how to how to mythicize your exposition the character without even having to show you anything badass about the character spencer confidential wants so badly for you to buy that mark Wahlberg in this movie is so tough and so known they they beat you over the head with it the way that he's beating over the head random characters you don't care about and it's just it's just the kind of movie that none of its punches land like it's just like you see the machinations right in front of you and your enjoyment may vary based on that like if you just want this uncomplicated movie in that vein yeah you're gonna watch this and be like yeah that's you know it's cool it's good yeah spencer confidential i watched it on netflix on saturday and At three o'clock in the afternoon, I had a beer with the bros. Like, you know what? If that, that is an aspiration for the movie I can get behind. But as a movie, as a movie with like moving parts and a plot that's supposed to actually work and with scenes that have meaning beyond how do we make Mark Wahlberg look cool no, this isn't much of a movie to me. This is like, I think you, you summed it up, Charlie. This is like an algorithms version of a movie. It was made by like, if you just put in computer, we need these things. Okay. This book, these actors and this demographic, Bing. this is the movie that pops out. And it's just, there's no vision to it. No personality. Like Will was saying, it's just a thing. And it's kind of a waste of everybody's it's
1: time. content. Yeah. And that's, that's what, what's frustrating is that, you know, as you guys know, like I'm, I am down for a bad movie. I will always be apologetic for a bad movie. You know, I, I still really love serenity. I really enjoyed cats. Like I have a spot for Doolittle in my heart because these movies at least have something of a personality to them. Even if that personality is absolutely insane, like they were trying to do something, you know, they were, they had a goal they were aiming for and they didn't hold back. They went for it and they might have just completely failed, but there was something of a heartbeat to what those films were doing. And you could see passion from somebody and you could see, you know, a lifeline from somebody trying to put something together, trying to make people enjoy. This This is like we have a movie on Netflix. We need Mark Wahlberg to be in it. Let's hit every beat completely stale. Let's just get a paycheck and move on to the next thing. And it was just there was no soul to this whatsoever.
0: I have to agree. Uh, I kind of gave my final thoughts, so I'll just grade it D plus d for i don't know the destruction of my saturday evening because i watched this movie uh what about you charlie
1: i'm gonna go d minus i i really i i it's bad d minus minus.
0: and will will ashton tell us all about your b plus
2: uh no i mean i'm gonna be a c minus i'm a little kinder on it, i guess just for c
1: for confidential you're, you're a because nice guy will c minus because you've seen mile 22
2: yeah Yes, well part of partly yes. I was going to say I don't I still don't know why it's called Spencer Confidential, but um There's nothing
0: confidential about this movie. He does right. everything in plain sight.
2: You just Yeah, I still don't, I don't know what the title means, but it also it still annoys me that Spencer with two
1: S's. It annoys me that he they set it up for a sequel so hard at the end. Yeah. And it was Which like, you might get. it was like it Who was knows? it was like worse than Hellboy in setting up for a sequel right. and like oh, oh no.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah, but I mean for me, I think it's it's less that it's like egregiously terrible and more that it's just like consistently super mediocre to the point like you were saying, Charlie, it just really doesn't have a personality or anything that really makes it distinctive in a fun or unique way. And it's like like I'm, I'm down for like a like B material dad movie with a a list star. Like I really enjoy Jack Reacher the first movie. Like I think it's a lot of fun, and it's clear like if you get a director like, um, Christopher McQuarrie who really does something fun and unique and stylish with it you can do it. And I think Peter Berg has proven that with other films, as far as like making competent, fun action movies, but I don't know what's happened in these past two films. It just seems, I mean, maybe past three, I haven't seen Patriot's day, but, um, yeah, it just seems like he is just kind of losing his mojo a bit. Uh, and it's just becoming a, you know, like, like his other bad movies at least have like some sense of personality or something unique, like battleship where it's like, at least kind of like a fascinating mess. And this is just, or like Hancock, I guess, um, and this just like, yeah, like you said, it's just like algorithm the movie. Like this is the content we want and this is the content we got. And whether or not people see it is another matter altogether. So, yeah, I feel like C minus is is a fair grade for it for me.
0: All right. So it's a C minus from Will, D plus from me, D minus from Charlie, which makes this one about like, a, yeah, like a, a D, D plus average, but That'll do it for this week's reviews. Um, So many other things we wanted to get to. We didn't have time to get into Guns Akimbo or Buffalo. So we're going to have to save that for a future episode. Uh, But for now we will bid you all adieu with the films that we hopefully will see and maybe talk about next week. As always, if there's something you want us to talk about in particular that you're worried we might not cover, always check out the comments on cinemaholics.com or email us cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com to get into that. Of course, uh, but as for the movies that are coming out, uh, there's quite a few. Uh, I think probably the the big movie we're looking forward to is The Hunt. I'm excited to talk about The Hunt. I haven't seen it yet. I missed my screening, but I'm going to try to see it this week. Uh, we're going to have a special guest on for that episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, there's also Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. Uh, I don't know how that's going to turn out. Looks pretty bad, but maybe we'll see it. Yeah.
2: I'm kinda of for it. Yeah, it
0: looks like for sure.
2: It's like big budget upgrade. It seems like it's gonna be it could be fun. Yeah. It'll probably be bad, but it looks kind that's of That's hitting
0: wide release along with the hunt, and I still believe the Archie from uh the Riverdale.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, that RJ, the Camp what's his movie? name?
0: Jeremy Camp, yeah. Which, you know, special place in my heart, you know. Some of us who grew up with Jeremy Camp, um evangelical households unite. Mm-hmm.
2: Are you talking about the Britt Robertson movie that's coming up? The what movie? Britt Robertson's. Isn't she in it?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, she's in yeah, it. Yeah, she
2: plays the wife. Um,
0: yeah. That's coming out. That's like the latest. You know, I guess I don't, I don't in know this if it's house, pure flicks,
2: but it's in this house. The Britt
1: Robertson movie. Britt Robertson. <laughs> yeah. There oh
0: no, you I'm, go. it's
1: it's a Jeremy Camp, Jeremy Camp movie all the way.
0: Right, right, right. I, I don't know how our listener, where our listeners fall on that, but uh, yeah, KJ Appa is the main guy in that. Uh, Shania Twain is in this movie. It could be amazing. So let's just say, let's just say it Tuesday. Yeah, uh, it's a Lionsgate movie. Uh, there's also, uh, hitting in limited release. Uh, well, first I'll say there's lost girls, which is going to be coming out on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people are looking forward to that, but that one stars Amy Ryan and Thomas and McKenzie and Una Lawrence, uh, a bunch <laughs> of others. It's a, it's a pretty good cast. Um, and then, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Gabriel Byrne is in it as well. And Kevin Corrigan, Okay. but yeah, yeah. That's, that's another movie. If you want to hit your 52 films by women. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. that's another one you can check out. That's on
2: Netflix. And, uh, isn't, um, never rarely, sometimes always. I was getting
0: to it. it will Ashton, sure. you're acting like I'm not get- will Ashton.
2: It's I, I, sometimes I, I'm just Speeding
0: through it. <laughs> I just, I get it. I, fine. Never rarely. Sometimes always one of my favorite movies of the year. If not my favorite movie of the year, finally hits limited release. I don't know how limited it is. I don't know if it's just New York and LA, but if you have a chance to see it, highly, highly recommend you do. It is something else. Uh, there's also The Roads Not Taken, which hits limited release. I don't know if a lot of you guys. This is another Focus Features, but also Bleecker Street production from Sally Potter, the director. Uh, this one stars Oh, yeah, Cla- that one. Yeah, this stars Javier Bardem, Al Fanning, Laura Linney, Sama Hayek. Uh, I want to see it. I don't know anything about it. And we'll see. We'll see if it's any good and if it's uh, uh, worth checking out. Uh, I've s-
2: yeah i've seen the trailer a couple of times i'm i don't really know where i stand on it sure but we'll see yeah yeah
0: and then last thing i'll say is uh i'm still waiting to see first cow it's not out here in the bay area yet and i'm doing yeah. great things Same here. so i don't know if i'll we'll be able to Same see here. it at the theater i'm upset
2: yeah i'm looking forward to it
0: yeah hopefully we'll be able to catch it at some point but that's it for our show charlie Ridgley, thank you for coming on where can people find you if they want to uh, learn more about what you do these days
1: um, anywhere on comicbook.com or on Twitter at Charlie Ridgley. Um, I was gonna plug a bunch of you know we're doing a big uh, James Bond project, leading up to the the new one. I've been watching through all the movies to do you know, do some video, nice. do some some uh, essays about the evolution of James Bond. But that might we'll have, have to, to wait. we'll have to wait until November for all of that.
2: Yeah, as I say, have you seen the the Bond movies before? Or is this your first time watching all of them?
1: Um, I've seen the Craig. I saw all the Craig movies in theaters, and I've seen. Uh, most of the Brosnan, if not all the Brosnan movies before, but I've never went back and watched the old, the Connery and the Roger Moore and the Timothy Dalton yeah. uh, okay. movies. And so I've, I went and bought the collection. I've been watching through them. Nice. So nice. Um, I've been really enjoying that. So I was excited to bring that to people, but that'll have to have to wait for a little while. So until then ano- it'll have to
2: come out another day.
0: This really is like yep. the most dad movie episode.
2: Yeah.
0: Like yeah, it is. It, it, it's so funny movie. though. Cause like Emma is like smack dab in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> like all of us and grandma movies. Will and I take this deep detour into like the most non-dad movie and I love it.
2: Sure. Gotta keep people on their toes. Yeah. You, know,
0: just... you never know what to expect. We're not that predictable. Uh, yeah. Thank you as always though for listening. We'll see you back here next week. And don't forget to watch His Girl Friday if you wanna check out our extra milestone, which will be coming out later as well. Uh, we'll see you all from the Internet, California.
2: I'm John Agroni. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Wes. And from the
1: Internet, Tennessee, I'm Charlie Ridgley. See you next time.